And we are finally live. After two hours, no, I was kidding. <laughs> 30 minutes of effort. It's, uh, yeah, anytime I try something new, it's a pain in the ass. Well, I'm glad I can be your guinea pig for it. Yeah, so this is cool. <laughs> First uh, in-person podcast. Yeah. So welcome, Paul. Yeah, thank you for having me. So I put up a post about this podcast that we're doing, and it got a lot of traction. A lot it of did. Yeah, even like army recruiting pages which i thought was kind of odd yeah <laughs> but i'm all i'm all for it so yeah hell yeah the picture's cool yeah yeah i, <laughs> I wish it would have taken more pictures when i was in the military but it was almost like frowned upon at the time you know it's like i want to take a cool guy picture and they're like nah you shouldn't do that yeah i understand yeah. And one of my biggest regrets is not taking more pictures yeah. most of my military pictures are from my last trip when mm -hmm. i went to korea and I was taking pictures like all over the place. We were in the helicopter. I've been in a helicopter, you know, hundreds of times. Yeah. And I'm, a, I'm up there taking selfies and videos and, you know, uh, they were asking me like, dude, are you new? Like, why are you <laughs> acting like this? But I knew it was like my last trip. So, yeah, and I had nothing. So deployment pictures, there's pictures of me out there somewhere on a deployment hard drive. I don't have them. Mm -hmm. um, so. Yeah, I had the same thing my first time in a helicopter. I was 18 years old and I was pulling my camera out. And my squadler looked at me and was like, What are you, pussy? Put your phone away. Yeah, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> I remember this moment. Let me have this. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah definitely. Man. That's, that's uh, one of my biggest regrets as well, is not having more pictures. But all right. So I wanted to get you on. We we train jujitsu together, we're friends. Uh, I found out, you know, we had been training together for a little while and I found out you're in a band. And I was like, okay, yeah, he's in a band. That's cool. You know, I'm thinking like you're picking up gigs at <laughs> bars locally or something, you know, yeah. like a lot of people do that. But you're in a no shit band. Like you've been in a couple of no shit bands and yeah. you guys are big deals. Well, I wouldn't say the biggest deal, but uh, it's definitely a blessing to be where we are right now. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, I hadn't heard of, I hadn't heard of Colby Cooper before you know, before mm -hmm. you got into it. So that was cool to see you into it. Yeah. Will you talk more about your the band you're working with? Yeah, uh, before I get into that band, so I was in a different band uh, right before this, uh, Shab Shire and the Night Howlers is a local to Stephenville. And that's what really got like my foot in the door into music. It was a great group of guys. Um, and we toured all over Texas, outside of the state uh, and all that. Um, and I also played with a guy named Dalton Domino, who's a pretty big name in Texas as well. And he kind of introduced me to like the bigger side of the scene. And uh, like me and him played with ZZ Top one time, which was insane. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I actually had to uh, take off of uh, training or drill one time to go play that ZZ Top show, which is pretty cool. But it wasn't until uh, March of this year that I got contacted by Colby Cooper's guys. Uh, after they saw me playing uh, with Shane Smith and the Saints at Rio Frio Fest. And uh, they called me and um, we talked about it and got an offer and sent a little tryout video and the rest is history from there. And I couldn't be happier with where I'm at right now. It's yeah. super cool. Yeah, it, it's honestly like a rock star dream. I mean, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and the only way only way is up, man. Like, you yeah. guys are, that's, that's kind of like how I view my content too mm -hmm. is – you know, it's not like it's not like you're gonna get less well known. The more that y'all keep going out there, y'all are already pretty well known, especially here in Texas. Mm -hmm. But you know, the only way is up with that kind of industry. So uh, I think it's awesome what you guys do. Uh, so 
you started music. When, when did you start music? Uh, I started playing guitar when I was in sixth grade. It was a uh, New Year's resolution, either get a dirt bike or get a guitar. And I'm an only child. And so my mom was terrified at the idea of a dirt bike. <laughs> sure. So yeah. Didn't get a dirt bike, so I got a guitar instead. I uh, started playing. Uh, the first time I ever played in front of anyone was my seventh grade talent show. And that video is on YouTube, by the way, of me wearing some skin tight black skinny jeans and a big silver chain <laughs> and it has 1.4 million views on youtube what's it called uh it's just type in insane talent show 2009 and you'll see it it's like the second one that pops up there you go. <laughs> but i uh, started doing that and then i never really thought about playing live until i got to college and uh, i met um, the drummer from the night howlers me and him we played in our first band together we were roommates in our freshman dorms um and another fraternity brother of mine who uh, is now manager of several bands in Texas. Um, we just put together a little band and started playing and didn't really take it seriously until like 2016, 2017 is when it all started to kind of blow up a little bit. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like that happens for a lot of people when mm -hmm. they just start doing something and then it gains traction and then they go, Oh shit. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's never fucking now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you you were in your band while you were serving in the guard, right? Right. Yeah. So I, I joined the guard at seventeen um, while I was still in high school. Um, did like a year of RSP, which is like a delayed entry program because I was still in high school and I was doing that. And then right after I graduated high school, went off to Benning to do uh, basic and infantry school. Reported to my unit and started just uh, drilling uh, as an infantryman, and then. Uh, gigging on the weekends and sometimes i'd have to miss gigs because i couldn't get off of drill and at the beginning when my band was non-existent as in like no one knew who we were my command was kind of just like fuck you <laughs> you're not going to get out of training to go play some stupid bar for 50 bucks right. so it took a little while to develop that but uh the squad leader that i had uh he ended up becoming a fan and like coming to shows and stuff like that later on down the road yeah that's, that's awesome yeah, you were in college and doing music, so gigs and stuff like that, mm -hmm. and you were serving in the garden. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there was a lot going on. Yeah, for I sure. Um, what I think is important to hi highlight is you were a CrossFit and kettlebell trainer. Uh, yeah, I did CrossFit majority of the uh, majority of the time, um, and also did some strength and conditioning coaching, uh, military prep coaching, stuff like that. I had one guy tell these people that they need to rock whole bunch to get ready for soft selection i was like it's one of the worst things you can do for your body you want to get ready for rocking then build the muscles that are going to help you rock you know exactly. work on your endurance capacity don't i mean you can throw on a rock every once in a while get the feel for it but you're putting this harmful load across your shoulders across your hips you're creating the worst posture possible and then you're like you know walk walk or run or whatever it is and you're just creating this impact on top of poor posture and mm -hmm. these dudes are getting injured and they're wondering why in the military you're just gonna have to suck it up and do it but you know it's important to know proper stretching routines and then your resistance training is important to prevent injury to rehab all that stuff so i love when military dudes get in there and you can tell they don't know what you're talking about yeah, especially the ones that say running boots I'm like how dumb are you yeah, <laughs> You have to in the military, like yeah. you have to. You have so, to, but you don't want to train in that capacity. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Do Use it, it as when a you test have to. Once you're there. Yeah. Do it when you have to. When you don't have to, train smarter. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
that's a hard sell. You know, there's fit guys who are in the military, but if they just implemented things on a different level, they could be so much more fit, you know, yeah, for and, sure. and have less pain. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a frustrated frustration of mine. Um, you know, who knows, who knows where this leads to maybe one day I'm, I'm the CSCS for bat. <laughs> you never know, or you just be a, get your TSAC certification and go work with, you know, one of the groups or something like that. Yeah. Make a shit ton of money too. Yeah. Originally, uh, making this my podcast, good Lord, we'll get back to you, but originally I was going to be a PT, uh-huh. like physical therapist. And, uh, I was dead set on that for so long. Right. And, uh, then I finally got to the point to where I was observing. So I've done, I've done all the coursework prereqs for PT and uh, I went to observe and I was like, this is the most boring shit I've ever seen in my life. I was like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I've only been here. I've only observed eight, you know, 80 hours. Uh, I can't watch another person lift an ankle weight, let alone do this for 20 years. No, you know? not fulfilling. You yeah. know? So it really put me in like a, uh, confusion. I thought, you know, I thought maybe I'll be a PA, maybe I'll go to med school. And then I was also like, fuck school. School sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know, like I'm, I plan yeah. on going back for something, but you know, with this whole startup, you know, we mm-hmm. were just talking about how I got started up and stuff and what yeah. I'm doing. Like this startup is just to kind of break out of the wheel and see what else there is out there. And I've mm-hmm. already had, you know, we talked, let's not drop any names, but we talked about some other opportunities that came up my way people trying to partnership and things like that mm-hmm. and it's very validating it's yeah, not something absolutely. i'm looking for right now but very validating that people want to hop on yeah it shows uh there's a, there's a path somewhere else you know in the future there's so many paths and as you know the fitness industry is uh, a big industry mm-hmm. billions and billions of dollars in the fitness industry oh yeah uh, for sure and uh, that, that was one of the, the paths I was looking at taking. Tarleton has a TSAC course uh, for tactical strength and conditioning uh, practitioner. And I took the course. I haven't taken the test yet because I got to do a lot more reading and studying for that test because I've heard that test is a pain in the ass. Yeah. But, you know, those are the dudes that get the jobs where they can, like the, the guys that uh, train Ranger Bat and stuff, I'm sure they're TSAC certified and the same dudes that, you know, work with SEAL teams and other soft units and, I was thinking if I could get my TSAC certification, every unit has a budget for something in terms of fitness, whether it's fitness gear, because, you know, all the units have to buy all the new gear for the uh, ACFT and all that. So they have a big budget for it. And in that budget, you know, not every unit has a master fitness trainer. Actually, barely any units have master fitness trainers, at least in the guard. I've never seen one in my entire time there. So as a civilian, if I could get my TSAC uh, certification and branch out and reach out to different guard units around Texas and try to like work out some kind of contracting deal to, you know, either help them on you know, a couple mornings during their drill weekends or during their ATs or something like that. It would be an awesome path to go down. And I mean, even something you could consider too, if you wanted to. Um, Cause I know I've, I went to drill one time and there was a camp gladiator was there and the guard paid them to put us through like football conditioning, which it, yeah, I wasn't a fan of it, but the fact that they spent the money and who knows how much it was, it was probably a good chunk of change. Yeah, they don't they don't shortchange. Yeah, so yeah. So I'm like, if they could do Camp Gladiator, which isn't even oriented around military fitness in any way, then why wouldn't they hire some kind of TSAC certified guy or strength and conditioning, you know, dude to do something at least? 
Yeah. So I've considered that would be be a cool path to go down. It's something that's growing on me, especially working with <clears throat> military people. Mm-hmm. I like I've this has been missing from my life. Whenever I left, I went through so much at such a young age. When I cut off, I realized after it was done, I was like, you know, at first I felt like, man, did I make a mistake leaving? And, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of had some uh, some things to prove. So uh, I kept pushing forward and I was like, I'm going to show them I can be successful out here and uh, probably showing it to nobody who cares. You know? <laughs> like, but, uh, but, you know, time passed and I've realized like just this big piece of me is missing. You know, I was so I had put so much. I mean, people don't understand the gravity of, you know, going through those things so early in your life. Like it's ingrained forever. I mean, yeah. we see, and we were gonna get on to this, but we were talking about mentality for post military growth. I think what happens for a lot of people is they go through this thing that is so taboo, so outside normal day to day life, and they experience these things, and then they just can't let it. Like you don't have to let it go, but it's just always there. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But the problem is some people hold it so much in the spotlight that they will never achieve anything else great mm-hmm. again. It, I think it's because there's so much power in those experiences. Yeah. Especially at a level of, you know, uh, combat MOSs or uh, special operations is fucking nuts. Mm-hmm. Like it's just so fast paced and, uh, you know, it's it's uh, something that's been hard for me to let go. So getting yeah. to getting a chance to kind of promote myself as a, you know, Army Ranger veteran. And then I get on and, you know, talk to, you know, I got other Rangers who are active and then veterans who are supporting my page. I get to kind of talk with them again. You know, there's a lot of networking happening on the back end. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a whole, I've come to find this out, which you might find this interesting. You probably already know this. There is a whole network of veterans out there who are running shit, like running companies and stuff who are just looking to help other people run shit. Yeah. It's like we got an amazing community if you tap into the right people. There's other people who get, get out in their little uh, – uh, I'm trying not to be a hater, but they, they get toxic, you know. And oh, anytime, yeah. You know, I would put I've up seen a, post a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, it's like a jealousy thing. Yeah, I actually had uh, one of the big military watch companies reach out to me when they saw that I graduated college and were willing to help out with my MBA if I had wanted them to. Yeah. And uh, and I mean, they didn't. I don't know if they knew that I was guard or not, but they didn't seem to give a shit, which is which is really cool. They're just trying to you know help out other veterans, and yeah. you know some people it was rare to see them trying to you know help out all kinds of veterans, but that company was, which is super cool to see. So that makes sense that they're out there running shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's my thing too. I don't I don't really care where anybody came from. Yeah. I made a post about this recently too, a joke yeah. and stuff. But there's people out there that really care. Mm-hmm. I saw uh a hilarious it was a hilarious picture. It was on Reddit. Somebody sent it to me, but it's some dad like disowning his son because he decided to join the army. He's like, Me and your uh brother who joined the yeah, is the Marines. Yeah. Uh, everybody knew. <laughs> uh, he's like he's like, You didn't join the Marine Corps, you know, uh Basically, uh, like you're a he's called him a pussy boy at one point. It was so disrespectful. But uh, I was like, what a loser. Wow. There's no yeah. part of that guy that's Thanks, cool. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> I was like, somebody give that guy what you uh, yeah. You know, because nobody cares. I mean, really, what I care about is is this person a good person? Mm-hmm. Any sort of military service, 
is commendable. Everybody has different walks and how they do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's different things that people think are cool. Like yeah. some people think the Air Force is the coolest thing you can do. And I tell them I'm in the Army and they're like, fuck the Army. <laughs> but if you really get yeah. a piece of the full picture, like when you go overseas, everybody's working together. Everybody's yeah, got a different mission. Cogs of a big machine. Yes. Yeah. It's Weather. one big machine. But yeah. of course, you know, we like to segregate ourselves. Hell, I did I did it too. Oh, man. yeah. You know? When I first joined, I was like big anti-pogue guy. Yes. Even I was a guard infantryman. I had I was the most arrogant infantryman you could find. But I was arrogant too. Yeah, you know, that's part of the culture. And uh once you grow up though, like that's you know, when you're 18 through 21 and you're in your early stages of your career but then once you become like a team leader or an nco or something you start looking at the bigger picture of things you realize it's like oh i do need that cook or i do need that truck driver or, yeah, yeah. You know, whatever yeah whatever the case is and tell you what some of those guys are working atrocious hours to support mm-hmm. the guys out there you know people are so upset because you know these people are doing other things but the way that i look at it is Military finds a way to make it suck for everybody. Oh, yeah. Everyone in, has in its own to way. go through similar, you know, long lines of bullshit and paperwork and PowerPoint classes. And- yeah, we always thought we were the shit because we were out there doing stuff, like jumping out of planes, and mm-hmm. doing these things all the time. Like, we're always busy, busy, busy. But anytime I had to sit back and do a short brief or do uh, mm-hmm. any sort of online training, any sort of paperwork stuff, I'm like, this is the worst, dude. Like, it's yeah. the worst. And there's people who are doing that every single day mm-hmm. my best friend here is in the marine corps on the on the uh, flight line and he was telling me about their day-to-day like room inspections in the morning and then they would have like his formation and just bullshit all the way all day long they were just there all day long and they'd yeah. have a second room inspection and i was just like dude how many how many how much bullshit can you do on a day-to-day <laughs> and then they wonder yeah. why they have a retention problem you know mm-hmm. Everybody's doing different things. Yeah, that's an extreme micromanagement from <laughs> from their leadership. Yeah, that that was yeah. the kind of stuff that drove me crazy. We didn't dabble in that much. That was mm-hmm. the cool thing about being a mentor. That's why I push it to a lot of people. Is like we deal with some bullshit, right. but a whole lot less than like a conventional force. There's a whole lot less. We do some paperwork, but a whole lot less that. A whole lot less. Uh, we're doing our jobs a lot, and that is very fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Um, because anytime I did the garrison stuff, it was like draining. It's so draining. Yeah. That was one thing with the guard that is definitely a con is, uh, you know, a lot of times we would have uh, like muta eights and muta tens, which is like a week long uh, field training exercise usually. Um, but let's say we do that, but then the next month it's just like a, you know, conventional two day drill and it's going to be 100% garrison. And then the next week, let's say something else comes up, 100% garrison again, and you're just doing paperwork and paperwork and not actually doing any kind of training. And then if there is time to do training, uh, definitely a failure at like an NCO level is that there is no training happening. Like even from the simplest thing of setting up some glass houses outside in the front, uh, like in the parade field or something, while other people are doing PowerPoints. But there's no, uh, I guess, motivation or initiative being taken to do that kind of stuff. It's a problem in the conventional uh, army as well mm-hmm. because there's so much stock put into all this other BS. Is that still on? They cut that recording? Yeah, it did. Okay. I guess we'll figure it out afterwards. Let me make sure. That was still recording. Uh, yeah, I guess I need to uh, hit it again. 
that's why we have a backup. So <laughs> we'll, we'll just see. switch to that one. We'll see how much of uh, that is on there. See, yeah. this is all experimental. It's perfect. Backup plan, backup plan, backup plan. So uh, we got an awesome community out there. So it's been cool to see that and kind of get to feel that camaraderie again. Because when I left for a little while, it was just like, felt so lonely, you know. And that's why I kind of clung to, you know, trying to get into martial arts. Initially, I was like very on and off. Um, for me, I like I was... You know, if I went and did jujitsu class, I would go home and have to take ice baths and just have bruises all up. Now I don't get that anymore, you know, because your body conditions for it. But yeah, um, but it was just for the community, like to go in and meet up with people. I've been missing that for so long, so kind of build this network is yeah. cool. It's crazy because I had like even being in the guard and doing it part time, like you still miss that camaraderie as well. Yep. Especially since I got out after uh, my deployment, you know you definitely start to miss it after you're just doing it for that long. And uh, the band kind of helps with that for sure, yeah. with that camaraderie. And then, uh, you know, the veteran community as well. I've met so many vets, either that were semi-kais or in the music industry, and we always just act like we've known each other for years, you know, in our first conversation, which is awesome. Yeah. But I will say one thing with the guard when it comes to like missing that camaraderie is like one day you're repelling from a helicopter and then the next day like you're back in school or you know and then two weeks later you're back to like we would do airfield seizures with chinooks or something and then you go right back to school or your day job or whatever and you know it's still part-time but that shit sucks for sure yeah I mean, <laughs> you know i had a a friend that i made it in college and mm-hmm. he uh he would do jumps so he would go in for the weekend and they would go do a jump yeah and uh, you know like i admitting this is uh is gonna get me trolled a little bit but i didn't like jumping i did 40 you know somewhere around 40 jumps the more jumps i did the more i was like i don't want to do this you know i never showed that but i had some anxiety pre-jump always like my the way that i work is i always have anxiety leading up to and then once it's happening, I'm like, okay. And kind of serenity happens and I just deal. Yeah. But prior to, there's a lot of anxiety. Like I overthink things. And no, me uh, too, for sure. Yeah. For every, every military school, like everything I've done, always just freak yourself out. <laughs> yeah. I just, I'm thinking of how weird it would be to be in school. You got a test Monday and, you know, you're thinking about that jump like, sure hope i don't tear a bicep on this jump you know like, yeah. yeah i never went to airborne in school and i've never done a static line but uh when i got They're home terrible. yeah well, it's an outdated tactic now uh, when i got um home from africa i went and got my skydiving license so although i never got the static line which some people still you know call me a leg for it and everything it's like but have you ever free fall from fifteen thousand feet no yeah it's way different yeah way different yeah, and it's a lot more fun too because you I've actually done, get to do shit. I've done that tandem. Yeah, I've only done one tandem. Uh, I had a dude strapped to my back, but yeah, mm-hmm. way different feeling. Static yeah. line's way different than a free fall. Mm-hmm. Entirely different. It's thing. a lot more aggressive too on static. Yeah, like at least with a free fall, you know, you have that little bit of a jump once you pull your chute, but it's just smooth sailing. Yeah, yeah, and the parachutes are a lot nicer. <laughs> Everything you can actually control it. Yeah. <laughs> to an extent. So yeah, highly suggest doing that if you're willing to go get your skydiving license. <laughs> if you don't want to freak out anymore, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, 
definitely static line is uh is done for me forever no yeah. interest in that ever again. <laughs> uh just everything about it is is just miserable the the rig up the not getting to use the bathroom <laughs> so by the time you do jump your bladder is like screaming like it's about to explode oh, and piss yourself at that point yeah i've heard the rig up like prior to the jump is miserable like oh. two thirty in the morning, getting everything taken care of, and multiple checks, and just sitting on a flight line and just waiting and waiting and waiting. Oh, that's what you do. Yeah. You wait for hours and hours, and uh, yeah, Ranger Bat Hollywood isn't bad. Hollywood is what we call it when we don't have any gear. But Ranger oh, Bat yeah. got to the point to where we were always compact jumps, and that matters. Yeah, <laughs> that's so much. Yeah, you got some a lot of extra gear. Yes. And I always, I like jumping the Vietnam era ruck. So mm-hmm. it has like a metal frame. Uh, Alice Pack's the way to go, for yeah, sure. It is. I hate the plastic frame shit. It, it's easier to carry after you're down, but jumping those in is not as fun because it's mm-hmm. the yeah. metal, metal rig. It's uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> Land on it wrong, too. It hurt. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Technically, you're not supposed to ride it in, but we did all the time just because it's easier to, uh, yeah. Everything's right there, you know, especially if you need to get it together in a hurry. Um, but yeah, not a fan, dude. And, and then your landings always suck. They always suck. <laughs> it's like, it's like, why don't we do this? You know? Yeah. No, that's what's so great about skydiving is that you can literally just land on your feet and walk in. I have had to PLF a few times purely because of wind changes or I didn't flare at the right time or whatever, but most of the time you just land standing up. It's great for your knees. You don't twist any ankles. You don't twist any knees. It's good. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people come out with problems from doing too many static line jumps for a skill that's not used anymore. Yeah, it hurts a lot of <laughs> it does hurt a lot of people. Um, yeah. Her her big uh, trademark is the MLAT, which is essentially an airfield seizure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, that training is my least favorite of all time. Because mm-hmm. you do essentially three airfield seizures, and uh, there's planning up for it. You get, I mean, it just depends on. I've done it different ways. Like it depends on who your leadership is, right. how they're feeling and stuff. But sometimes you're not getting much sleep, and mm-hmm. you're getting out there, and you know, like I said, long rig times. You're out there all through the night, and man, that mass tactical jump is different. Like there's a, there's a regular jump and then there's that mass tactical jump where when you come out the the door, all you see is just like parachutes everywhere, like silhouettes of parachutes. It's dark outside, so you're not seeing too much, but it's crazy. It's a cool sight. Like for sure, uh, not a whole lot of people get to see stuff like that. Oh yeah, it's a crazy feeling and crazy experience. But also. Fuck all that. A lot can go wrong, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of people get injured, you know. I yeah. You got guys on top of you, and you lose your your air bubble, and yep. start cigar rolling your chute. Had people yeah. land on my chute. I've landed on other people's chute. Mm-hmm. I've landed in high vegetation. Luckily, didn't land in the trees. I was close. I landed in some high, high vegetation. That was oh, like what's, that, high. what's that video? The guy lands in the trees, like the tree master, the king of the trees. Have you seen that one? <laughs> no. Uh, no yeah. That sucked. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, landing in trees would be miserable. I I knew that there was an officer who went there airborne school. Her first jump, she just 
ate it in the trees. Like, absolutely terrible time. And what I was, she's a beast because she went back and did her other four jumps. Mm. What I was like, I mean, she looked like, she looked beat up. Oh, yeah, I bet. Yeah. She did not have a good time her first jump. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. And then to get up and do it four more times is three. Yeah. Man, at least for our airfield seaters, we just landed in the Chinook and jumped out of it or walked out of it. <laughs> Didn't have to do any of the fucking parachuting in or anything like that. Oh, that's miserable. Yeah. But yeah, I guess that is right. That is y'all's bread and butter. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So again, revisiting this, you said you wanted to talk about mentality for post military growth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd like. So many people just over-identify with what they did because they feel like they'll never live up to anything that's cooler than that, which I completely understand whether you went to combat or just did a bunch of training where you jumped out of planes or helicopters, like most civilian jobs will never, you know, crack up to what that is. But every time you over-identify with the military, you are limiting yourself to what you are capable of now, like moving on to the next step. Because um, the military, for most people, is just a small portion of your life. Not everyone does the whole 20 years and retires, but most people are doing, you know, three, four, six years, somewhere in there. And, you know, once you're done with it, you're done. And you can be proud as fuck of your service. You know, you can fuck brag about it if you want. I don't give a shit. But there's so much more out there for you to do, whether it's going to school and getting an education or being an entrepreneur like you see a lot of these veterans doing. Or going and getting you know different certifications like uh when i got home once i did the skydiving thing i also went to emt school and became an emt um you know i got my bachelor's degree in business administration um then doing the whole band thing like there's a lot more out there to life than just military yeah you know, there is so much out there, there and so is. many people just get stuck on it like i'll meet somebody and um the first thing they'll be like is they'll just start talking military immediately and like what they did and they didn't even think think or know that i was in they just started talking about it like at a bar or something and be like no one really gives a shit man like yeah. once you're out you're out you know and even if you were this super awesome tier one operator and stuff like most people in the civilian world don't don't give a fuck they don't care <laughs> and it's awesome that you did that it's it's cool but use those skills that you learned in that career like your skills as an infantryman in terms of leadership and you know establishing personal relationships with people and uh you can take that and turn it into you know, a business mindset. Yeah. What a lot of guys can do, especially guys who've accomplished things like, you know, we talk about those tier one operators. What people care about is what you can do for them in the mm -hmm. civilian world. I mean, let's keep it real. It, we know that most people are looking for out for number one out here. So if you can do, provide something for them that is unique, then that is something you absolutely market. Yeah. The big ones, you know, I hear people in the military community hating on this, like, these guys are just going to get out and do fitness or shooting classes. Of course we are. Yeah, what that's else? What, that's what people are good at. What yeah. else would we market? You know, you take those old experiences. You can take what you've accomplished and use it to move forward. What I talk about all the time is I use this as a motor to keep going forward. I recognize that I'm on to something else. Mm -hmm. I'm not sitting here like, you know, I'm not telling that. We, me and my buddy were talking about this on another podcast. Not talk, I'm not that dude. Talking about the touchdown pass from high school, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not me. I'm not every day telling yeah. uh, war stories or ranger school stories mm -hmm. or anything like that. Uh, you know, you could you could probably attest to this, but I, I don't talk about ranger stuff a whole lot of outside of you know this page. Yeah. But 
because it's something that I can market. It's a service I can provide people. Of course, I'm talking about it. So, you know, I would, this is more of a message for like military guys, for veterans. You know, it's okay to use that. Um, that is a skill that is valuable that a lot of people don't have. A lot of people want to know how it works. They want to, mm-hmm. they, what, what a lot of civilians want is they want those lessons from the military without having to go do the shit. You know, and yeah, that's fine. People pay thousands of dollars to go through like a two week hell week just because to see if they can just to do feel it. it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why people get such a pump when they go do like these competitions, like um, tough mutters, tough mutters, Spartan race. Yeah, of course. Um, and you know, as a veteran, as a military member, that's something you can provide for people. So yeah, I think that's absolutely. There's, it's important to note the difference between hanging on to an accomplishment, holding in the spotlight and trying to tell everybody for the rest of your life, you go get a big USMC tattoo or a big Ranger tab or whatever it is, you know. Get your cross rifles right there. Yeah, we all know <laughs> the two branches that have the biggest struggle with this, right? Uh, so, you know, we get the big tattoo and then everybody we meet, you know, we want to let them know right away, like, hey, here's this thing I did this one time, mm-hmm. you know, for maybe it's for a long time, but you try to tell them right off the bat so that you, so look, you got to realize, I right, hear some people don't care about that. Like some people yeah. don't care that you served and uh, this is kind of taboo, but, you know, they don't really have to, you know, no. in our culture, it's a great thing that most people do. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people are somewhat supportive and appreciative of your service. There's a lot of opportunities that open up for you, mm-hmm. you know, post-military, but, you know, people don't have to care. You, yeah, that's when you whole, do that job, they don't have to care. It's a great thing about America. <laughs> yeah. 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 Most people don't give a shit. Yeah, and it took me a while to, you know, really figure that out because I definitely over-identified with my tiny little career, me you too. know, for a little bit. And um, yeah, once you figure out how to let it help you, and then how to also let go of it at the same time, game changer. Like uh, a, a huge tip that a lot of veterans don't utilize is uh, translating what they did in the military to their resumes, which I kind of talked about a little bit with business skills, but um, you could take your, your garrison time, your field training time, and any kind of deployment history you have, and you could reword all of that into HR and business development and leadership skills. And when I took my resume and I, I started applying for different federal jobs and stuff when I got out, uh, that's a different story, but I took everything that I did and started putting into managing people and just reworded it completely different resumes are bullshit they are because <laughs> if you can make it sound good it is good yeah you and know, you can I'm take man. everything you did in the military and utilize it without putting on there i was an infantryman i was trained to kill people no right. employer gives a fuck about no that. they don't care they don't care if you went to ranger school air assault school airborne survival school but if you can reword those into the skills that you learned from that now they finally care right you have to provide them something yeah, that's what I was getting at earlier. If you got something you can provide to them, skills, whether it be skills or knowledge, it has to be relevant to the civilian world. Mm-hmm. If you can take some of that old tactical knowledge, like I said, or fitness knowledge, you know, bring it forward. Um, you know, basic survival skills and stuff like that. People eat that shit up too. Oh yeah, but, uh, that's the time to promote. But yeah, I agree. Knowing what to let go and what to use. Mm-hmm. Um, I put up a, a post a long time ago, early on in my page, and uh, I was talking about 
you know, some people are touchy with words. I was like, so, I was like, people need to capitalize on what they've accomplished. And somebody tagged, I won't say his name, but somebody tagged an, uh, another guy who was a ranger. I'll give him that. And uh, he comes in and he's like, I don't capitalize on my business. He's like, uh, basically, what he was saying was, uh, dudes who are, have a hard time letting go of their service, have a, who hold on too much to that and have a hard time moving forward, basically. And I agreed with some of what he was saying, but I was like, you know, you are you are capitalizing on it. You're getting weird about my choice of words, <laughs> which is some people do that, you know. Yeah. Weird about words, but that's exactly what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's not a bad thing. You're yeah. using that because it's in a marketable skill. He's training people how to uh, shoot, okay? Mm-hmm. There's two big ones, right? I'm the fitness guy. Uh, I'm still, you know... I, I need to take more shooting classes, honestly. I'm going to do the field craft survival guys. Uh, what's his first name? Daniel Glover? Not Daniel Glover. Uh, Mike Glover. Yeah. Yeah. That guy is insanely good. So definitely need to do some classes with him. He was actually in Dallas. Or, yeah, I guess it was Dallas like two months ago, three months ago. Yeah. Yeah. One of, one of the opportunities that got reached out to me said that they have connections with him as well. I thought that was cool. Everybody's, if you get into that vet network, everybody's connected. Yeah. Um, So, all right, dude, I think it's very important, you know, uh, to talk about what it's like to be a rock star. (laughs) That's what everybody wants to say. (laughs) What, sex, drugs, and rock and roll? (laughs) Yeah. What's it like, dude? Like, what's it like to get in front of an audience and play like that? And You guys like you guys are doing rock star stuff. Like, I've seen y'all partying and stuff like that. It was like a crazy time. One thing I will say is I've never really, never really, never really dabbled in the whole you know, like drug world. But I didn't think that music industry was still like the 80s in terms of drugs. Like you, know, you see Molly Crew reeling lines of cocaine and all that. But that shit's still really prevalent. Um, which is honestly really sad because you see a lot of musicians in their careers over stuff like that. Yeah. But... Uh, no, the part the party world is definitely great. Um, I've kind of backed away from the whole party scene. Uh, Takes a toll, right? Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. And especially when you're on the road, you're eating you know, gas station food and drinking a lot of vodka. It's not, <laughs> it's not the best. Everybody's <laughs> like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. So I, I've, I've definitely gotten away from a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and the band that I'm currently in, it's it's very tame. Like, don't do anything crazy or anything like that. Um, yeah, you're the lead singer. I, you know, he posts on there a lot. He seems like a cool dude. Oh, yeah. One of the nicest dudes I've ever met in the music scene. He's only 21, which is crazy. <laughs> he's young. Yeah, that he's got crazy. a two-year-old daughter. He has a beautiful wife. And he has a, another kid on the way. And so, you know, partying is usually the last thing in his mind, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll still let loose every now and then. But, yeah, that's all. It's always been a fun part. Playing for people is unlike any other experience. You know, and... I, for the longest time, wanted to keep my military career going, but once I saw what the music was capable of doing, like, in my life and where it was taking me, I realized that that was an opportunity that I just couldn't pass up, and not everyone gets to say they can play for, you know, 5,000 people that are screaming back the words to every, you know, song you're, you're playing or screaming when you're ripping a guitar solo or <laughs> there was this one show I played and I, I was playing a solo and all these girls in the front row started screaming daddy. <laughs> I was like, where else does that happen to you? you know? <laughs> it's gonna be surreal. It's yeah. 
It's definitely a crazy feeling. And it's also hard not becoming like a narcissistic douchebag after, you know, doing that stuff too. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's fucking awesome for sure. It is awesome. Yeah, it's super interesting. <laughs> it's funny how things come full circle though. Because mm-hmm. we were talking about our age, it's like we're getting older. I remember my idea of a good time was let's go to the club with a bunch of people and get sweated on. You know, like, <laughs> just get blitzed and get sweated on. You know, just craving a loud music, can't even hear yourself think. And then yeah. uh, some strangers just like grinding up against you. Like, mm-hmm. that sounds awful right now. What I'm trying it to does. do, me and, me and uh, my buddy who I was referring to earlier, his name Charles. Uh, so me and Charles, you know, we're older. So our idea of a good time is, you know, going out to a bar without a whole lot of people and shooting some pool and maybe talking to like one person at the bar, just yeah. a friendly, cordial conversation. I'm the same way. My first question is how many people are there? You know, like <laughs> it's funny how things come full circle and then you see the young kids and you're like, these damn kids. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's, a, it's actually an interesting uh, fact about me is I hate going to concerts unless I'm playing the concert. So I hate like being in the crowd and going to concerts and being crammed with all those people and yeah, getting sweated on. And sweated. Uh, usually in like this scene, you got a bunch of cowboy dudes trying to throw punches or you looked at their girl wrong or, you know, whatever you know, stupid shit. And uh, I hate being in, in crowds for concerts, but if I'm on stage, it's a completely different thing. I fucking love it. And then, you know, you go to the merch booth or whatever and people are there and then like, ask for your autograph and stuff like that and you don't have to like go out in the crowd or anything they come to you it's so fucking cool yes yeah. coolest fucking feeling ever yeah it's gotta be it's gonna be cool man. um yeah it's gonna be cool like we played in uh weatherford actually um about a month and a half ago or so we didn't really advertise it too much because of the whole covid thing it's four thousand people and it's it's like, yeah it's crazy it's like a whole town. That's like some people's yeah. whole town. Yeah. Yeah. We had just released a song sh- shortly before that. And everyone already knew all the words to the song. And we're singing it along. And like, I- I'll take my phone out on certain parts of the show where Colby's just playing acoustic and like, I'll like film the crowd and stuff and everyone else has their phones up and their flashes on filming everything. It's, it's insane. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely insane. That's crazy, man. I don't, I'm trying to think of how to ask this because I don't want to uh, break into any privacy stuff or anything like that. But my life's an open book, dog. Awesome. <laughs> how do you guys go about like booking concerts and stuff like that? So we have a booking agency. It's called Red Eleven. Uh, a lot of the the bigger names in, in Texas music are signed by them. Okay. Um, like you know, Coetzel is or you know people like that. Cody West. Um, no, that is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> venues either reach out to them or they reach out to venues and they negotiate contracts and all that and and you know price ranges and numbers um and then like who's going to open who's going to headline because you know a lot of bigger shows uh we're starting to do a lot more headlining gigs ourselves but we still do like the opening gigs for bigger artists like in uh uh two weeks in in lubbock or i guess it's a week the 28th uh we're playing in lubbock with co wetzel at a really big venue that I think the cap is like 10,000 people there. I don't know what they're doing for, for COVID or anything, but they talk to, to red 11, red 11 talks to them and we open up for, for co and they discuss numbers and all that. I don't have to do any of it, which is, is great about this band is, you know, there, there's a, a manager that takes care of all that. 
and then there's the booking company and then there's a tour manager that takes care of touring stuff and then there's a stage manager that takes care of everything on the stage there's a sound guy that takes care of all the sound work so really all i gotta do is set my stuff up play guitar and go back to the bus and have fun that's pretty sweet <laughs> yeah that's awesome it's definitely a dream come true for sure yeah dude this this kind of my thoughts too is if you got something that you want to do or that my, my big push for people, especially what I'm learning right now is if you got something to market, if you got a skill, get yourself out there and do mm-hmm. something for you. Cause uh, this, this whole page, it's still growing, but man, I've been uh, pretty much autonomous for like three months and it's been bizarre. It's mm-hmm. been super cool. And uh, what's, what's, the only downside is, dude, I can't go to Walmart without getting recognized. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, they, I was they, just they, about to say, like, like who? Yeah. They, they hate that joke. I've been making that joke since I've had, like, 600 followers. I'm like, dude, I can't go to Walmart. Yeah, they can't. Anymore. Everyone's wearing a mask. So like, even can't. with a mask on, these people are like, like, you can't even keep six foot distance because they're trying to get my autograph. I can see your lack of facial hair through your mask. <laughs> yeah. like, that's him. No, <laughs> yeah. That's literally only happened to me like once or twice. Someone recognize they just recognize the tattoo sleeve from like a picture or something. And they're like, hey, you play for so-and-so, right? And that's usually the extent of it. Yeah. Now, Colby, on the other hand, he's a very recognizable person. Yeah, he, he'll get stopped and stuff by people, which is it's super fucking cool to see. It is cool. Yeah, whether it's happening to you or someone else in your band, like it's awesome. Yeah. The validation of that has got to be, you know, unique. Now, if you get to the level of like, Tom Cruise or something, that's probably when it's not that cool. Like when you can't even go out in public. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't imagine. I mean, I'll never be at that level. But it will be really cool to see because we just dropped a new record uh, last week. Um, it's called Volume 2 because we released Volume 1, I guess, like two years ago. It's called Volume 2. It's got five songs in it. Killer record. Um, but it'll be really cool to see like where this band goes in the next shoot even year but you know five years you have like five ten year plan um who knows where he could be because he's 21 years old has half a million listeners on spotify alone the same amount on probably apple music and other streaming platforms millions of streams on songs so i can only see him going up and the day that i i know that like my career is fucking it's solidified it's a good stadium show (laughs) which i hope i hope definitely happens actually i don't hope i know it will for sure because the only way to go for you guys is up like i said you already got that kind of traction um i've listened to your music it's good it's good music um so yeah uh, yeah consistency my buddy who uh makes his whole living off of youtube Mm -hmm. that was his biggest tip because i've talked to him about it before i was like i want to do something on youtube i don't know what it is yet uh, back before I started this page, yeah. I like put up a YouTube video on just my regular, you know, posted it on my regular Facebook. And I know people are looking at that going, what the fuck is this guy doing? You know, <laughs> I, I have this creativity. Like I want to put out content out there. Yeah. And so kind of finding the niche with the podcast, I'm getting to talk to like interesting people. Like, and it's crazy how many people got interesting stories around you. You mm-hmm. know, there's so much to talk about and content to make. And his big mm-hmm. tip was just be consistent. He's like, it doesn't even necessarily have to be good. You know, you don't want to get on there and say crazy, like probably don't want to say crazy political things unless you're a political person. <laughs> yeah, you but, definitely segregate your audience at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, being having caution there, but just putting out content, good or bad, the more you put out, consistency is key. Just like 
exercise, just like learning any skill whatsoever, consistency is key and all the way it goes up. So you guys have absolutely your music's great. Traction's there that. already. Yeah, no yeah, problem. We'll see what happens, man. I'm excited. Yeah, every time you put up a post of you shredding the guitar, I like want to share it. It's good <laughs> shit. Yeah, dude, I I posted up uh a cover of me doing uh, a Machine Gun Kelly song. You know, Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I was not in the right state of mind when I filmed that, so I didn't even remember filming it. <laughs> but I posted yeah. it. Uh, yeah, I posted it on my Instagram story, and I woke up the next morning, and my Instagram was like frozen. I was like, "What the fuck's going on?" And I looked at my DMs, and it said the Blonde Don reposted your thing, and that was like his name. And Machine Gun Kelly reposted it for six point five million people to look at on the story and I got flooded with follows and likes and shares and everything. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, that's and cool. so, you know, things have just been going up and up, you know, the more consistency with you know, posting guitar videos and posting, you know, the professional pictures that get taken at shows and stuff. And exactly. like it, it kind of builds your own brand per se. Like I released a t-shirt just like you've been releasing t-shirts and yeah. I sold out of them and there's people walking around and there's one girl in North Dakota and a girl in, uh, in Oregon that have them like just wearing it around my fucking face on their shit, yeah. which is such a narcissistic thing to do, but I don't give a fuck. So. <laughs> t- everybody loves t-shirts. Yeah, too. exactly. It's such a, you know, uh, there's a, I heard other people joking about, you know, when I was getting asked, like, what are you going to do? Get out and start a t-shirt company like everybody else. Hey, <laughs> Article man. 15, baby. Yeah, exactly. I'm wearing an Article 15 I, shirt right now. I had that shirt. When I was, uh, it was like 2014, I competed in a CrossFit competition wearing that shirt. Yeah. And there was that an actual seal there in the, in the competition too. And I was Tried. just, yeah, a young buck infantry guy in the guard. I'm just like, yeah, I wore this, uh, I wore this in the company one time and everybody wanted to know where I got it from. Dude, people love t-shirts. If you can oh, print yeah. uh, something on a t-shirt, people want to wear that. I mean, they, we got to dress our bodies. We can't just walk around That's with things like ourselves. I mean, I guess we can, but you can't get arrested. Uh, <laughs> Sadly. <laughs> so, yeah, clothing is a big thing. Like, if you got things that you can, you know, that's a big thing on mine where I'm trying to go with this business is uh, merchandise. I'm trying to get more merchandise. I'm talking about, like, dropship companies and stuff because making those t-shirts is kind of miserable and they're transfer t-shirts like they make for cool designs but they don't hold up for a super long time right so i'm trying to get away from that and get to something that's more long term and uh i think i'm going to do it like a lot of other companies that do like these drop ship orders and then you sell out of those t-shirts and then that's it for those t-shirts so it's like limited time only for all the drops and yeah. uh yeah, that's how like uh, those big pages on instagram like warm and fuzzy page and uh uh, like forward observation groups, or like that one you were repping the other day. I think they all do the drops. Better on like that. Well, no, um, your buddy sh- you, you wore a shirt in one of our pictures after jujitsu one night. Oh yeah, hoodlums and brigands. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think they all do like that drop, and they sell out instantly. Yeah. And so they're able to cover their tracks immediately without producing a bunch of inventory, potentially going into debt, having to deal with that. Yeah, from what I understand, hoodlums and brigands started out as a uh, as a meme page. Funny thing yeah. about hoodlums and brigands is, in general, Abrams Charter, he talks about there will be no hoodlums or brigands in the Ranger Regiment. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it took me a long time to connect those dots, but it finally connected those dots. It's like, oh, shit, that's a that's genius brand. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, so, and those guys make good merch, too. You should make uh, meme merch. I know I know a couple people yeah. do like meme-style yeah. shirts, but they're not 
most people don't get them, you know, like if you could take like some of the really, really good, you know, military memes or even just life memes in general and put that on a shirt, kind of like the art, like the article 15 shirts that they first started doing were very like comical, you know, like the big lettering yeah. and cartoon characters and stuff. And they're hilarious. And they killed it with those. You do that with a meme shirt, it'd be even better. Like even, you know, the one, like the one with all the skulls on it and put in the, uh, uh, Neanderthal school. I'm yeah. Like, that'd be a great t-shirt. It would be a great t-shirt. <laughs> and people there's, would buy it too. There's so many ways to go about uh I've even thought about, you know, the beard jokes I make all the time. I, yeah. I've even thought about making a, a shirt about 100% real beard, you know? I don't know how I'm going to do it. Yet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of people that can't grow them, like yeah. yourself. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is tragic. I, I grew mine out. Uh, I can get a little bit, but it's very thin. Mm-hmm. And uh, I grew it out. My wife hates it. She's like, good. She's like, please shave that. Please shave that. Please shave that. She was telling me for like two weeks. And then I did get on, do a live stream uh, on Instagram. And these dudes are going off on me. Like, they just roast me. They're like, dude, that is fucking gross. They're like, they're like shave that chin strap. I was like, I was like, damn, this just turned into the roast of Daniel. So I was like, I guess I got to shave it. Uh, you know, maybe I'll go get some Rogaine, dude. <laughs> Smear so it you in. gotta do what you gotta do, man. <sighs> Whether it gives you skin cancer or not, just <laughs> yeah, yeah, go yeah. with it. <laughs> get too old, get too old, and not have a beard. Yeah. Well, the beard's a blessing and a curse. I'm like, I have a great beard, but the moment I shave it, I look like I'm 12 again. But then if I keep it and I over identify with the beard, no one ever knows what it look like without it. And then it's like a what do they call it? A comfort blanket. Yeah. You're like you look better with the beard, so you keep it, but then you have to shave or something. Everyone's like, oh. Yeah. Or like, let's say I get married to a girl and I have a beard and she's never seen me without it. And I have to shave for something. And she looks at me after I shave and she's like, I don't know if I want to be married to you anymore. This isn't the same. Like, it's, <laughs> it's like that so girl long. that kicks on the makeup. Oh, and yeah. Then you see her for the first time without makeup and you're like, oh, God, what this is, is that? Yeah, this is 100% male makeup. Like, yeah. it's the same same thing. <laughs> That's interesting. I have not thought I've never that. thought about it until this exact moment. Yeah. It's yeah. a good that's a good shirt idea. Beards are just makeup for men. Dude. That's it. That's it. I just want 10% of the profit. All right. That's yeah, it. yeah, you got it. You got it. Uh, yeah, that's funny, man. Well, dude, this has been uh, it's been good. Yeah. Good podcast. How long have we been going? An hour and a half, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Good chunk. Hopefully it all recorded on your computer. It'd be uh, real unfortunate if it did. It'd just be an iPhone video. <laughs> yeah, this editing is going to be miserable. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So make for a good end product yeah yeah i'm excited yeah definitely appreciate you uh having me on yeah for sure thanks for coming brother yeah absolutely and uh we're gonna cut out guys uh my outro probably gonna change over time but if you've been listening this long you're awesome yeah i don't know if i'm pointing at any of these hope you have a great day and take care (laughs) 